0: we are on a journey through the Gospel of John and we have come to the fourth chapter of this Gospel. So please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. Now chapter 4 church begins with another dialogue. We looked at a dialogue between Nicodemus and uh, Jesus and here we are seeing another dialogue between a Samaritan woman and our Lord Jesus. Now Jesus uh, bear with me one minute. Jesus leaves uh, Jesus leaves uh, Judea where he was baptizing, actually his disciples were baptizing, and he was heading towards Galilee. Look at the map there. So he's traveling through Samaria to go to Galilee. So he came into a, into Sychar, a Samaritan village that actually bordered the ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. And Jesus, worn out by the trip, it has been a long trip, he was walking and He sat down beside Jacob's well, and it was noontime. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus asked uh, for some water to drink, and then the dialogue takes place here, and the topic ends with what true worship is. And, And the Lord says, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Then the woman said this, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus stops and he says, let me tell you who I am. So he is identifying himself, as you look at the next verse, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So church, we are going to pick up from here today. So in preparation for today's study or the text, may I begin by posing a question to you. As a believer, what is one thing that you really struggle as a believer? There may be many things, but for me, the greatest thing that you struggle, and if you are be honest about it, is to effectively witness, to share God with others. It's hard, it's difficult. We may be reading books and we may be attending seminars and we may have the know-hows, the knowledge, the head knowledge, but when it comes to the real skill set, meeting one-on-one with somebody, and every time we come out, we would have thought, "Ah, I wish I had put it differently. It's a very difficult topic. So today in our text, I believe we will learn what it takes to be effective witnesses for Christ. Effective witnesses for Christ. So first let's understand the context here. We see a Samaritan woman who would be the most unlikely source for witnessing. Why? Because she was not only a Samaritan, but she was also a woman. And she has had five husbands and, and she is living with another man who is not her husband. I don't know how she is managing all that. But it's hard to believe that all five died. Probably it would have been a bitter divorce. I don't know. This means that she would have had a very broken home, not a happy home. It also means that most likely she had lost faith in marriage as an institution. But, as a result of her encounter with Christ Jesus, we, we studied, you studied last Sunday, she became a new convert, but I want you to understand that she almost had no sound doctrine. I want you to also understand she didn't have any training how to share her faith. But what you are learning is that she effectively evangelizes her entire village for Christ she effectively evangelizes the entire village for Christ. So let me give you the abstract of today's message, what we are going to look at. So when Jesus tells her that he is the Messiah, she gets so excited that she leaves the water pot. We are going to look into that. She goes back to her village and tells the man who normally would have laughed at anything she said. But what she is saying is important. You're going to look into that in a, in a bit, but I just want to give you, the, just to whet the appetite. She's saying, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be Christ? Did you get it? Could this be Christ? So as a result of that, they streamed out to the city to meet Jesus. They invited him, as you can read, you'll see that, to stay with them. Jesus spends two days, during which time many more Samaritans came to believe. And at the end of that time, church, this is what we see. In verse 42, in the latter part of it, we see they proclaimed, and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The one is indeed the Savior of the world. So from this text, we learn valuable lessons about being an effective witness. That's what I want to look at today. So at least three things that I'm seeing here, maybe many to others, but I just want us to focus on three only. The first point I want to bring it up, let me tell you what it is. To be an effective witness for Christ, you ought to be excited about Him. You have to be excited about Him. That's the very first point that you need to understand. So let's dive into the text today. It's looking at John chapter 4, verse 27. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, not that point, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Jesus just told this woman that he was the Messiah. The disciples returned from the village with the food they had bought for their lunch. And Jesus says, and, and John says here, they marveled, they were amazed that he talked with the woman. Their amazement stemmed, could be from two sources. Number one, because of the cultural condition. Here was a a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. Number two is that they didn't understand Jesus' mission. That is why they were marveled. They were amazed at what they saw. Because I'm talking about the cultural conditioning because culturally, it was taboo for a Jewish man to speak with a woman in public, especially when it comes to a Samaritan woman. The Jewish leaders have been teaching that the Samaritan women are perpetually unclean. They are always unclean, untouchable people. And thirdly, this Samaritan woman had questionable morals. So Jesus is talking to this woman. They were amazed. Now secondly, I believe that they did not understand Jesus' mission... Because, as I said, you know, they were, they were not, they did not utter these words. They were thinking, they never spoke out, remember. What do you seek? Why do you speak with her? In their minds, if Jesus can speak with such a sinner as his Samaritan woman, wow, what a beautiful place I'm going to get in heaven. I'm amazed about that. If this woman can be touched... If this woman can be changed and if she can receive that gift from the Lord. I am far superior and better than this woman. Certainly we are more worthy of heaven than this sinful woman was. Church, there was another lesson that we can learn from this. When they were amazed, see what they did. They did not speak. You notice that? They thought about this, but they never spoke. Not one thing they said. It's important for us to understand they did not question, they waited for the Lord to explain. That's what they're doing here. So what do we take from this? If anything in God's word, as we read through, as we study the word of God, as we participate in Bible study, is disagreeable or puzzling to us, we should not murmur against God. We should be patiently waiting wait in silence for god to reveal the truth to us that's another lesson that we are learning let's keep reading verse 28 then john writes this the woman we got verse 28 sorry verse 28 i beg your pardon the woman then left her water pot went her way into the city and said to the men come see a man who told me all these things that i ever did could this be the christ and they went out of the city and came to him. Now, John does not tell us exactly why she left the water pot. I am thinking because she was so excited. She just wanted to rush and tell the people what she has experienced. She wanted her people to come and meet this Messiah before he could slip away. She was so keen that that interaction can take place that she rushed to the village. Think about it, for her to openly admit of her past was humiliating, naturally, because that's what the Lord revealed to her. So when she goes to the village, she's going to say, this stranger, this man that I met at the well, he told all about me, my lifestyle. It's a very humiliating statement for her, no matter, even if the people know it, to admit openly, it's very humiliating. But yet she did. Yet she did. Because she was so excited about this. Let us take a moment to understand this, church. In that culture, the testimony of a woman is disregarded. Completely. The Jews would not accept the testimony of a woman in court. So imagine the testimony coming from a woman of ill repute. A woman who, is, who has questionable character and coming and talking about Jesus. If you are there as a Jew listening to that, there's a lot of questions that's coming in your mind. This woman was notorious in such a small village for her. The swing of divorce and her current living with a boyfriend and most of the men in the village would not want to talk to her because number one is for her own reputation. Number two is that if the wife sees you talking to this woman, I may not have a home to go to. Yet, church, we read in John's narrative, verse 30, look at that. It says, Then they went out of the city and came to him. So these men listened to this woman, the Samaritan woman, and responded to her invitation to go and see whether Jesus might be the Messiah. So you ask the question, How with all this against her, Was a witness so effective? How did this happen? I think that part of the answer lies in a careful way of speaking. Look at the way that she presented a view of Jesus. Look at this question again. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And then she says, could this be the Christ? If she had said, this is Christ, her testimony would not have been heard and taken well. But she is posing a question, could this be Christ? If she had said, "Just this is Christ, people would have just laughed at her. And may not have even taken her talk seriously. But she, her question, framed as a tentative suggestion, that motivated their curiosity. Everyone's. So they came to their own conclusion. There's a lesson for us to learn here, church. To be effective witnesses is often good to ask questions. Ask questions from somebody else rather than make pronouncements. There was one pastor, which I, in my research I found this, and I thought it would be helpful for you guys. He said that, his name is Bill Fay, he suggests these questions we can ask when you see somebody. Do you have any kind of spiritual belief? To you, who is Jesus? Do you think that there is heaven or hell? If you died, where are you going? Why would God let you into heaven? And this pastor says then, after listening to the person's answer, you post the last question, if if what you believe is not true, do you want me to tell you? And this pastor says that in thousands of encounters, he has never had a firm no to the last question. So then you can show the person the Bible verses and explain the gospel. Church, I think the main reason that this woman's witness was effective because she was excited about Jesus. And these men who knew her could see the change in her. Church, I want you to understand one thing. In her excitement, she, who could never have spoken to any of them, who could never have spoken to other women because of her reputation, who could never, she came to at the noontime so that she will not be mingling with others or meeting others. But here she was willing to bring up her own notoriously sinful past and excitedly telling about this man whom she had met. The change and her excitement about Jesus were evident here. You know, when a salesman, when he talks about how that product has helped him personally, helped him personally, that will draw more interest in the potential buyer than to talk about this is good. No, but this is how it helped me. She was like the salesman who is excited about the product, that how it has changed her life. So here we have a woman who knew far less than Nicodemus did, isn't it? Understand Nicodemus, an educated and a religious leader. She had a far worse background than Nicodemus, but she was far bolder and did far more good than Nicodemus did. She was excited about Jesus as the Messiah, and she testified about her own experience with Jesus. Church, God will use your witness if you have had a genuine encounter with the Lord Jesus. Because when you have a genuine encounter with the Lord Jesus, you are excited about him, and that is very contagious. People will see that. I still remember when I first came to know the Lord. You know, I was born in a Christian home. I grew up in the church. But when I say I came to know the Lord is when I committed my life to the Lord completely. You know the song that I always, always sang those days people got so sick of me? It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. I know some of you know this song, very old one. Folks, can't, folks don't understand me, no, can I keep it quiet? It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. Church, if you are not excited about Jesus, then you should ask the question, Why are you not excited? Have you really had a true encounter with Christ? You know, I just want to pause here because this is an important lesson for us. We don't want to be just a Christian, a a namesake Christian walking around because if you are really excited about Christ, you will speak out. You cannot keep quiet. And as preparing this, I, I, I pondered on this particular topic or particular uh, point and I thought what are the things that makes me why should I be excited about Christ and I've got a uh, I've got a few listed here number one you you are excited for Christ because you are alive today I did some research I want you to understand every single day in the year 2020 there were 60 million people died whole world So every single day, there are 170,000 people dying. But we woke up this morning. Didn't we get up this morning? God permitted you to enter into another day. I met a lady at the the outreach ministry yesterday. And she was seated in in, in the dining room. And she told me, when I get up in the morning, I thank the Lord and say, God, you have brought me to this day with a purpose. Tell me what that purpose is. You must be excited. You are able to get up this morning because of Christ. Thank God for that. And not only you are physically alive, you are spiritually alive, because Romans 2, 4, 5 says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Made all of us alive with Christ. Number two is you are excited because you are blessed. We are blessed people. Psalmist says this, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob. And his hope is in the Lord, their God. Not only you are blessed, you are loved. Stop this pity party, poor me. If you are truly a believer, you will never say, poor me. Because he loves you. Sami says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew my anguish of my soul. He sees your affliction. He sees your anguish. And Swami says, I'll be glad and rejoice in your love. You are excited. Why? Because of Christ. And not only that, church, you are excited because you are an overcomer in Christ. Doesn't matter what happens in your life. For everyone in 1 John 5, 4, everyone who has been born of God, overcomes the world. If you have overcome the world, aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? And not only that, church, you will never walk alone. There are times you might say, I'm lonely, I don't have anyone to, to, to talk to. You will never walk alone. Here's what he said. I will never leave you nor forsake you is his promise. It's just that he is with us, but we don't, we don't want to acknowledge the fact that he is with us. We turn a blind eye and in the flesh we look at things, not in our spirit. And Isaiah says this, verse thirty twenty one: whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. He is with you, church. You're not walking alone. You get excited because you walk in confidence. Not only you are walking alone, you you won't walk alone. The Bible says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? No matter what trials or or what, what temptation or what challenges you are facing in today. You can claim this promise. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. And the most of all, you are excited because you know what? You know the end of your story. Isn't that great, church? Isn't that great? Has it sunk in in you how excited you should be if you know the end of the story? today you may be taking a, a handful of tablets and pills and, and you may be limping and, and 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 you may not be you know getting a good health to walk around and do the things that you are going to you are doing in this world but soon will come a time when you leave you know the end of the story and you get excited about that church so the first lesson that we are learning here is to be effective witness, we need to be excited about Christ. Church excitement is contagious. I'm going to say something is going to hurt some of you, or maybe all of you. I really don't care because the Spirit convicted me. It convicted me, I hope it will convict you. And so people like us who are so ill and afflicted can get excited about our Savior. When we can show our joy in the Lord despite of all our problems and challenges... That's a powerful testimony to the, to the world. So if you are truly excited about Christ, church, it will be seen in the passion you have for Christ. It will be seen. It's contagious. When was the last time somebody came to you and said, Oh boy, you are excited about Christ. When was the last time? If you are excited about Christ, you will diligently study the word of God. You will engage in conversations with others about the word. Your life will be governed by the word. Is that true of you? Is that true of your church? Then you are excited about Christ. If you are excited about Christ, you will seek the Lord in prayer in your personal time, in your corporate time. No one needs to push you to come for prayers. No one needs to do that. If you are excited about Christ. If you are excited about Christ, you will want to serve the Lord. You will want to spend all your time in the church. That's what David wanted, isn't it? You will seek the leadership and for opportunities to serve. What can I do next? Can I wash the toilets? Because you are excited about Christ. If you are excited about Christ, you, you, are a, you are way early to corporate service. You will come to church early and will sit and meditate and be ready to receive the word. If you are excited, will you ever go late to school uh, to work? Will you ever go late to school? You won't do it. Because there's a dollar attached to that. But if you are truly excited about about, about God, you will be here. That's one thing I was told, and I, by my mentor when I became a believer, even before I became a pastor, I used to go to church at least half an hour. Church. I'm not saying this to uplift me. Please don't get don't don't even think that way. I go half an hour below be, before the church starts. I go and sit because I want to prepare my mind because you have come to the house of God. We have come to the house of God. Are you excited about Christ? If you are excited about Christ, no one needs to remind you of the men's program or women's program or youth or young adult program. You will be reminding others. There is a program. Let's go. If you are excited about Christ. Nobody needs to run behind you. You don't need reminders. If there is a wedding, won't won't you remember that? Nobody needs to remind you. You will seek every opportunity to share who Christ is to you. That's the first lesson. Son, what's the time now, please? Oh, okay. Sorry. So the first lesson is to be effective, be excited about Christ. The second lesson, and I'll I'll give you the lesson and then we'll go through that, is that if you want to serve the Lord, you must be mindful of the harvest. You must be mindful of the harvest let's let's dive in an effective witness will have a harvest mindset now we are looking at verse 31 we'll read on in the meantime his disciples urged him saying rabbi eat so the story is that Jesus is there and the Samaritan woman has taken the water pot and she has left and the disciples have come and they say eat rabbi we brought the fish and chips here let's eat Let's have, let's have something to eat. And Jesus isn't interested. And they urged him to eat. And this is what the Lord said. I have food to eat that you do not know about. That's what he says. What? You were just talking to a Samaritan woman. You were seated here. Where is the food? We have fish and chips here. Or we have Kentucky fried chicken. I don't know what they brought. But they had some food here. Jesus, Eat. You know, it's so amazing. You can laugh at this. I feel sorry for the disciples. They said, This is what he says. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Maybe he's hiding something from us. It's interesting, isn't it, when you read that? The disciples' goal is that somehow feed this teacher so that we can go on our way to Galilee. Let's go, let's go. It's only a transit point. This This is not why we came here. We got stuck here because of this woman. Let's go, there's a big work to be done. but Jesus clues them in, and he says this, Verse 34, look at this. Jesus said to them, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work." Then as the villagers begin to streaming out in their white robes to meet Jesus, Jesus tells us in verse 35, look at verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Please come along carefully with me. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the physical field. It takes about four months. Then he says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. What is this field he's talking about? That they are white for harvest. The disciple needed to develop a harvest mindset so they needed to understand what god was doing in this situation so to be effective witnesses we have to be mindful of the harvest in the next uh, verses from 31 to 38 there are five observations i'll go very quickly number 1 that we need to have is we need to set our priorities right so in order for us to have that mind uh, the mindful of be mindful of harvest means we have to put the will of God and his work above everything else. See, church, what the disciples were, were on going on and eating food. But Jesus' focus was doing the Father's will and accomplishing the work that the Father has sent him to do. Jesus saw the whole village of Samaritans. That is the field he was talking about here. That's the field. They, came, they come to faith in him as they discovered that he is the savior of the world. But church, listen so often we are like the disciples we are like the disciples we are focused on the temporal but clueless as to the spiritual and eternal let me give you some example you are working on your backyard on the front yard and you see a kid running across you get mad and you are yelling at the kid and, and you want to pin him down and you want to punish him or tell the parents instead to have a chat with him and show this boy the love of Christ. You know what you have lost? You have just put your yard above God's work. You missed an op- You are like the disciples. Let's go to Galilee. That's, my, that's the goal. Forget this. Let's go. Or maybe in your workplace there's somebody who is annoying you. Somebody who is, who is really a pain for you. And you want to see how we can get even as opposed to, let me take some time to show Christ's love. When you take on that attitude, church, of getting even, you have put your own comfort above God's work. When someone does something wrong, especially a brother or Christ, a sister in Christ, We ought not to be looking at in the flesh, but consider it as an opportunity to point them to Christ. We'll be like the disciples if we are just telling them what's wrong. Or if someone is missing out of things of God, we need to stir up the excitement in them to come to church, to come for programs, instead of finding fault with them. Instead of looking at it in the flesh and get disheartened, we will get disheartened. But we need to see in which ways we can replace the lamp that once burned bright in their lives. That's what we ought to see. We must consider it as an opportunity to put to point them to Christ. So the first thing that we ought to do, church here, is that you, are, you set your priorities right. The second point I want to bring it up is on verse 35 again. I'll tell you what it is. We must watch for every opportunity. Every opportunity. Look at verse 35. The Lord says, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So in verse 35, when Jesus said there are still four months and then comes the harvest, he was talking about sowing and reaping in the field. That's what he's talking about. You don't sow seed and expect to go out the next day and reap the harvest. It doesn't happen that way. It takes time for the crop to grow, isn't it? But in the spiritual harvest, it's different. That's what the Lord is trying to bring a point here. The spiritual harvest is different. Now look at the Samaritan woman. She was the most unlikely prospect for evangelism. You and I would have stayed miles away from her. She wasn't interested in spiritual things when Jesus started talking about spiritual matters. She had all kinds of mixed up ideas due to her Samaritan religious beliefs. She was an immoral woman. She was not Nicodemus. There, you know, when we had an encounter with Nicodemus, there was some hope with Nicodemus, but not with the Samaritan woman from our eyes, and, and but by crossing cultural taboos and talking, taking the time to talk with this messed- up Samaritan woman, Jesus ended up reaping a harvest, in the entire village. Church, you never know how God may use your witnesses, with someone whom you consider to be an unlikely prospect for the gospel every opportunity the Lord gives we should consider as a platform for ministry every opportunity when the spirit nudges you or prompts you please do not sit back and resist go on this may be the harvest where the Lord wants you to be engaged or to plant a seed so that's the second point I want you to get is that Be mindful of the harvest, you set your priorities, you watch for every opportunity. Thirdly, let's look at verse 36. Let me tell you what it is. Your rewards are eternal in nature. Eternal in nature. You you receive eternal rewards. Look at this. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So our investment in eternal life pays rewards for eternity and worth working for. But sadly, church, we live in a world where we are so accustomed to instant recognition and instant remuneration. You know what our thoughts are always? What's in it for me? What do I get out of this? This has been a cry for all of us. Church, even in ministry, when we do the ministry, we want the applaud, we want the approval, we want the appreciation and we want the awards from others in this life. Oh, what a great way he preaches. Oh, what a, what a great mission he is doing. Oh, what a great way he leads worship. Oh, what a great way he's serving God. And I must admit, that's a, when you hear that, it certainly encourages you. But if that is why you are doing it, then you put your priorities wrong. But when we labor with the harvest mindset, we are storing up eternal joy. Not here. We may not be recognized, we may not be respected on this side of heaven, but we will be rewarded when we see Jesus face to face. Church, you know what? I've told my family, and I'll say to you as well, when the Lord calls me home, when you print the bulletin, I said, do not write, I have kept the faith, I run the race, I finish my course. Most funeral bulletins, you see this. Nothing wrong with that, that Paul is telling about himself, I, God bless him. I would like to see The Lord telling, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Imagine the day, church, you are going, you have been ushered to there, and you are seeing the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time because absent in the body is present with the Lord, and as he he sees you, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Your life is worth it, isn't it? Church, you seem to be not agreeing with me. Don't you agree that your life is worth it? Yes, amen for that. Seeing the Lord telling you, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Nobody on this earth may be telling you that. Who cares about that? That's the lesson we are learning here, church. Your reward is in heaven. That's the third point. When you are mindful of the harvest, be prepared that the that reward is in heaven. Now, fourthly, you must sow seeds, every one of you. See, and this verse number 30, 37, he says, For in this, in this, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. Get it clearly. One sows, another reaps. To state the obvious, there is no reaping without prior sowing. So we often forget we expect to reap. We always think that we can reap without sowing. It's clear here. There's one who is sowing and one who is reaping. Many times we wonder why people are not coming to Christ. The simple answer is that because we haven't been sowing any seed. Period. That's why. At the very best, begin praying for opportunities, church. Jot down uh, a list of those who don't know Christ, whom you regularly have contact Begin praying for their salvation and God to give you an opportunity to talk to them about Savior. To reap a harvest, we have to sow seed. You know, sowing seed is not easy. You can only sow seed first if the person that you are talking to understands and knows for sure that you do genuinely care for that person. So the first thing for you to sow the seed is that you must reach out with love and care. The person must know that he or she is loved. And to sow the seed, the second thing is that you have to uphold the person in your prayer. You must bombard heaven with prayers and you say, God, come through for this person. I'm working on this person. I'm sowing my seeds. I'm sowing the gospel seeds. I want you to change his heart. Only God can do it. Thirdly is that when you, when, when you are sowing the seed, you start by sharing your testimony. You know what church? If you are, are only wearing the religion on your sleeve and walking around, you are like the Pharisees. You will never touch the heart of the people. You have to demonstrate that by your walk. And then once the ground is prepared, then you share the good news of the gospel. Because that is the word that is going to cause the change. So that is my next point here that is being mindful means that not only you set your priorities right, you watch for every opportunity, you receive eternal rewards, you must sow seeds. That leads me to the last point. Now you may do the hard work of sowing only to have others reap the harvest. That's sad, isn't it? Sometimes. Oh, most of the times it's sad. One sows, another reaps. That's what he's saying here. We need to keep in mind that we never labor alone. If you lead someone to Christ, probably church, you are reaping where someone else has already sown. Think about it that way. Your pride will go down. Because sometimes, oh, I led him to Christ. I led that person to Christ. I led that person to Christ. Now you are beginning to think in the flesh, isn't it? Someone has sown the seed. I'm not saying, that's what the Bible says, one sows and another reaps. And if you share the gospel, the person does not respond, don't get discouraged, church. Please know this, that we are not walking around with salvation in our pockets, just we can just distribute the way we want. We have the seeds to distribute. In doing the work for Christ and laboring for souls, there are sowers as well as reapers. The work of the reaper makes far more show than the work of the sower. You can't help it. But from the Lord's eyes, he sees both. The sower and the reaper. They both are rewarded equally. It's perfectly clear, church, there is no sowing, there is no reaping. You know, sadly, it's only human for us to give excess honor to Christ reapers than to Christ sowers. This verse is very near and dear to my heart for the last 35 years of ministry. Because the sowers may be see the harvest, may not see the harvest and it can be very demotivating I want to tell everyone if you want to serve the Lord it can be very demotivating because you won't see the harvest but this passage of scripture will definitely encourage you 1 Corinthians 15 58 therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord read the next portion with me please because you know that the labor in the Lord, is not in vain. Do you get it? Amen. You pray that God would water the seed that you have sown. Because Apostle Paul says, I planted, who watered it? Apollos watered it, and who made it grow? God, not Paul. Not Paul. I want you to stop for a moment and look at Paul, wherever the places he went and sown the seeds Did he reap? Absolutely not. Has he ever complained about it? No. But his reward is in heaven. So that's what they're looking at here. You may not not reap what you sowed. I I, I saw two examples I want to give you very quickly. One is um, uh, Adoniram Judson labored his entire lifetime in Burma. Entire lifetime as a missionary. There were many disappointments, much hardships. But he did not see much fruit for his labor. But today, there are over one million Christians in Burma. Take William Carey. He spent 41 years in India. 41 long years. And in his all 41 long years, he only saw 700 converts in the nation of India. But today, the situation is different. Your sowing is not in vain. If others reap the fruit. So faithfully sow. It brings me to the very last point. As you read this passage, if you want to be effective witnesses, you need to direct others to Jesus. Not to you, to Jesus. Look at this passage. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word that the woman who testified, it is the woman who went and testified, she said, he told me all I ever did. She pointed them to him. So when the Samaritans had come to them, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Church, did you notice something here? In the light of the centuries of hostility between Samaritans and Jews we are seeing Samaritans warmly accepting Jesus, that's amazing that's amazing it's the Holy Spirit that broke down the barriers that the world has erected the breakthrough happened because of two reasons because the woman pointed them to Jesus it is he who did it and secondly they all went to him when they directed he told me all things That's what she said. She pointed them to Christ. And the verse that we looked at earlier, Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. In verse 29 of chapter 4 she said that. So they went, they saw, they believed. And the results of this witness is amazing. That's the last verse here. Verse 42. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ the savior of the world. We are called to direct people to Christ. So as I close this message church here are the three points. To be effective witnesses of Christ. Number one you've got to be excited about Jesus. Are you excited about Jesus? Number two, you've got to be mindful of the harvest. You have to set your priorities right. God above everything. His will above everything. You have to watch for every opportunity that God gives you. You you must know that the rewards are only eternal, not here. If you are expecting recognition here, do not step into ministry. Do not serve the Lord. You must sow seeds. Every one of you. And sowing seeds, I told you, before you sow the seed, the person must know that he is loved and you, and you genuinely care for the person. And share with your life testimony first and then share the gospel. It's the gospel that does the work. And you may not reap what you sowed. You may not see the results on this pipe. But you got to direct them to Jesus. Direct them to Jesus. Can you all stand please? The God's, that's God's invitation to you come to Jesus come to Jesus i like to close off by a favorite hymn that we have seen, I'm, we're not going to sing this but I just want us to understand why we should be excited Fanny Cosby wrote this, beautiful O perfect read with me please, all of us O perfect redemption the purchase of blood To every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. That's you. That's me. The vilest offender. The vilest offender. To God be the glory. Right? Praise the Lord. Read with me, please. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Amen. God bless you. God be with you.